A poem is a small machine made of words. William Carlos Williams. Welcome to the Small Machine Talks, exploring the poetry scene of Central Canada and beyond with Amanda Earl and A.M. Kozak. Welcome everyone to the Small Machine Talks. I'm A.M. Kozak. And I'm Amanda Earl. And we are joined by... Oh, you would like to see me to say my name? Yes. Yeah. Oh, Danielle K.L. Gregoire. Welcome. Hi, Danielle. Hello. So today we're going to do an interview with Danielle. We haven't, I guess, what, did we do an interview last time? I don't think so. Oh, I sort of interviewed you, actually. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, you interviewed that was me the... about visual poetry. Yeah, so yeah. That was, that's right. I think that was last time. That was last time. So this is episode thir- 43. On, it's on Sunday, April the 28th, 2019. We don't usually tell the tell the audience when we're recording, but uh, I, I I write it down. So okay, it was on the that paper. is the day it is currently. We do not know when you're be listening to it. Yeah, that's a different thing, right? And it's important to say when this happened in time because it could be you know Ottawa floods after this. Oh yeah. So twenty eighth, we are currently standing in not water. That's right. Sure. We're, we're hoping we're everyone is okay uh, and hasn't uh, exactly. suffered from the flooding. If you're dealing with floods, uh, please take care. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to read a bio, yeah, I guess. You're, you're up right. I, I, I forgot all about it. I got lost <laughs> in, in you know, the thinking about the flooding. Danielle K.L. Grégoire is a parent, poet, comedian, storyteller, and proud northern Manitoban. She, they, stand at the intersections of many identities. Métis, French-Canadian, English-Canadian, queer, gender-fluid, rural, and city. Danielle was a former co-director of the Capital Poetry Collective, the founder of Seattle's Comedy Room, now the Comedy Nest, and former producer of the Seattle Moth Story Slam. Danielle is dedicated to helping people tell their own stories and is opening a venue in Almont, Ontario called Curious and Kind for all spoken word art forms, podcasting, crafting, and soap pouring in 2019. It's true. All of that is true. All of that is true. Yes. I was glad there's, I tried to stick a lie in there. No, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> Once actually, wrote a shark in Australia. That's not it. I didn't right. do that. Fun thing, actually, if we put one line to every bio and get them to get people to try to figure out what it is. That's right. That, that could that could be something to try sometime. Maybe after episode 50. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Danielle, can you tell us about Curious and Kind? You were telling us a little bit about this before we started, and it sounds really interesting to me, and I'd love if you told us more about sure, it. Sure, for sure. Uh, Curious and Kind is this venue that I intend to start and I'm currently in the middle of renovations and it should be open by June 2019 Uh, but it's a dream I've had since I was probably I mean everyone who loves the arts I feel like wants to own their own place to perform yeah (laughs) right exactly Uh, I think I wrote my first business plan for a cup with no name when I was 16, where it was just like a giant cup and people just had to figure out that it was a coffee shop. Like, that's... That sounds fun. <laughs> right? But um, So that's the first time. I mean, even when I was little, I was getting people to perform places and, and doing weird stuff. Um, and I've been producing shows at other people's venues for the last at least 20 years. Mm-hmm. I think the first time I produced my own thing was a... I'm going to put it in scare quotes, rave, because there was no alcohol or drugs involved. And it was a Sunday in northern Manitoba when we were trying to raise money for a skate park. And I put that together through Club 53. Um, And did we ever make enough money to get a skate park? No, we did not. Uh, But I did organize an event at 16, right? And so um, I forget sometimes how long ago that is. It's 24 years. Yeah, wow. Right. So I've been doing this a long time. And... I actually, it's not that I want 
a place where I can perform. It's just I really love watching people try things for the first time and then get better at it and giving them more opportunities to do something. That's what I want to do. So Curious and Kind, there's a lot of places for musicians, I find. Mm -hmm. Yes, Um, But there isn't a lot of spaces for poetry, comedy, storytelling that aren't sort of um, sort of split up. Right. And I love all of those art forms. I love authors. I love literature. I love poetry. (laughs) And I don't have to because if I'm the gatekeeper, the gate is pretty wide open, except for hate. I'm like really not a huge fan of hate. Turns out. Um, Turns out. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, some people are. (laughs) And I am not. Uh, So Mm. being the fact that I get to say what happens in there, I get to make sure that the diversity of voice is represented and that um, people I think who are being not heard get to be on stage and give them more time and all those things. So it, but also most places rely on alcohol sales yeah. to um, manage, right? If you're not a not-for-profit, and if you're not-for-profit, you're writing grants. So what I'm trying to do is figure out I hate the word revenue streams at this point, but different ways to bring in money to make it sustainable. And I only mm. want to do it for five years. Okay. Right? That it's temporary. That's good. That's because a good point. I want to do other things with my life. But this mm. is the time in my life where my children are in school. I have a seven and a 10 year old. And uh, my partner and I, my romantic partner and I, are going to be living together ideally when I move them here from America. Uh, and then my husband and I are going to have houses next door to each other and he'll be my ex-husband and I'll have this time. And I think 40, because I'm turning 40 this year, is sort of that space and time. time. It is yeah. a milestone time yeah. where you both have gained all of the skills that you're looking for, like 24 years of producing, 20 solid years of producing and performing. Um, I feel confident mostly in my ability to run a venue. Mm-hmm. And I also pour soap. sorry that's my my alternate revenue stream is workshops so i teach so workshops and then i'm gonna have a podcasting booth i have a six by ten by eight foot whisper booth which is like an eight thousand dollar recording studio right so i'm just gonna get i'm gonna teach people it's going to be so weird aaron and amanda that i can't in an elevator pitch do it i wouldn't be able to stop someone while the doors were closing and be like curious and kind is you know what? Just come. <laughs> you have to see. wait for the elevator to stall. And stall, then, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably have to press the stop <laughs> yeah. button and be like, hey. Um, but yeah, so it's it's pretty much a place for ideas. And if you have an idea, you want to do something weird or cool or strange or wonderful that's hate-free, I'm like, I'm up for it. And you said you're going to be teaching workshops. Is that just mm-hmm. for soap making? Or no, soap making. Included? Uh, storytelling, okay. pottery. Not pottery. I, I, mean, <laughs> I, I love pottery, I just realized. But the town is full of pottery. So if you want to come learn pottery in Almont, you can. But no, uh, it's not for I you. I would say pottery, poetry, and, and puppets are the things out there. But it's not. It's possible that in my space there will be pottery. Yeah, right? if you've got a good craft It's not just wanna... me. Right. Who's going to be yeah. teaching workshops. So. so you're teaching workshops. And yeah. you mentioned that you really enjoy seeing people um, sort of grow, like they go somewhere the first time and grow. Do you picture yourself having like a mentorship role and also in, in this space? Or do you think the space is more mentoring them as they just come and continue to go there and, and grow as an artist? Oh, good point. I mean, for some things, I would be definitely a mentor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to teach producing classes uh-huh. in Seattle. And... Uh, but I think for the most part, it's just connecting the people who need to be connected with each other to grow because yeah. that 
that is my favorite thing to be like, you love this thing? Amanda Earl does that thing. And if she has time, maybe we can get you guys to talk, right? Like that sort of thing. So I'm a facilitator all the way. Yeah, I used to get um, in trouble for that in school. Did you? Why? uh, Well, when I was in teacher's college. So (laughs) as a teacher, you're supposed to, which one of my, my teacher mentors said you know like I was going around the class I would I would give the assignment and then I would go to the little groups and I would try to make sure that they understood what they were doing and they Mm -hmm. would talk to me and I would small group organize and she accused me of manipulation oh no and I was like what what do you mean she said well you're not giving them the opportunity to figure it out on their own and I'm like but that's not what I'm doing I'm just making sure they understand at a smaller level Right. That and I and and my next teacher mentor, she was wonderful. And she said, you're not a dictator. You're a facilitator. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Right. And that's how that and that's my role in, in the world. I just want to help connect people. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think so. That's right. So I would mentor some folks, but there's definitely I'm being mentored all the time and mm-hmm. by like people of all ages. Mm-hmm. So I want it to be an all ages space for sure to like connect folks who can help each other. And I wanted to just pick up on. I'm going to go out of order here. I hope we're all okay with that. Oh, my God. Just, just because you did mention, uh, we mentioned mentoring and teaching. So you used to be a teacher, or you always are a teacher. Uh, <laughs> so how did you, how did you, or do you draw inspiration from that? From teaching? Yeah. Uh, let's see. That is an interesting question. I, I think teaching allows me to learn. That's why I love doing it, mm-hmm. because unless you are given, like, a task or a topic to teach, sometimes you won't learn it. I remember going back um, and teaching. I had to teach math, which, uh, having been grown up in like the 80s and 90s as a femme kind of person, I think math was just like they were like, "You don't do math, right?" My mother was a math person, so it I did have a role model. Um, but I remember integers. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've learned integers recently. Not not recently. Right. Recently? Negative and positive numbers. Yeah, like grade nine. 10. Right. Exactly. So I, I got integers and I had to call my mom and I was like, I have to teach integers tomorrow morning. I don't even know what they are. <laughs> and she gave me some tips and tools. You know, take red kidney beans and white kidney beans and then you can show how each one cancels each other out. Mm. Right. It was really cool. Good luck. I guess that sounds good. It was super cool. And so I ended up learning integers so I could teach integers. And I that's mm-hmm. what I think I love about teaching is that yeah. you were given an opportunity to teach something. Yeah. You can teach anything mm-hmm. for the most part right. at a grade seven level. Right. And just, yeah, I really, really enjoyed learning again the things that you don't think you need to know until you have to teach them. Is that sort of thing still inspire you now? Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I tutor sometimes now. I have two children, obviously, so I'm constantly kind of having to teach. But I prefer not to be the only one who knows anything in the room. Right. right? Yeah. That, yeah. that we learn together. That's my yeah. favorite way to do it. So it's exciting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that fits in well with uh, your saying you're a facilitator. <laughs> not right? a, yes, yeah. exactly. Not a dictator, for yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. mm-hmm. And so it is the reason the the uh, curious and kind will be in Almont is that because you're there or are there other reasons why you think it would be a good in Almont specifically? Yeah. Almont, or or any Have or you any... heard about the vein of rose quartz that's underneath Almont? I no. don't know. Yeah. No. So so <laughs> when, Please tell us. <laughs> there's this myth about this vein of rose quartz that is right under Almont and I think what? that is like a way to say uh people are drawn there and I'm like 
Oh, interesting. I didn't know Rose Court drew people places, Rose Courts. Uh, but there's musicians and comedians and storytellers and artists and Noreen Young, who did Under the Umbrella Tree. She's in Almont and she did a international puppet festival there for 12 years. Really? Yeah. So wow. part of the reason I moved there was just because it seemed to be this have this uh, sort of epicenter of arts and nature and care and friendliness that mm. you don't always find in um, every small community. Yeah. And it's proximity to Ottawa and it's, to Montreal and, and to not, Toronto. It's 45 minute drive. 45 minutes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So it's enough bad. to be like, you can see the stars yeah. and there's a river and there's a lot of old buildings. It's beautiful. It's magnificent. And I am from a small town yeah. and I think it's really important to have that cross-pollination between rural and city. Shh, my phone. Um, it's very important because sometimes we forget each other, mm. right? We start to get mad at each other because we need different things. Yeah, Instead yeah. of recognizing that each of us have um, purpose. Mm. And, and strengths too. Right, exactly. Share. So I think yeah. my idea is to cross-pollinate between that rural kind of and then the city and then to connect people even further. I want a place that I didn't know very much about until somewhat recently. I went there, I was telling you before, the mm -hmm. la first time last summer. And the only day I was there, they were, they were closed off a block of the main street. They were shooting a movie. Oh, yeah. We were just shooting another movie last yeah, week, for sure. Yeah, there's probably three there or four often. movies a week. Yeah. That's... Mostly Christmas movies. Yeah. they Actually, it, it was, was a Christmas movie. movie and it was in summer <laughs> and they had fake snow everywhere. Yes. And you'd see like. And do you know who was directing snow? that movie? Was it you? No. That would be cool. That would be like, what? No. My alter ego. Ego, though uh the woman who played Anne of Green Gables okay Ma not Megan Follows really oh Megan Follows was there she was directing the movie I saw her on the street and I was just like oh my childhood <laughs> like what do you do I just stood and just said you know what she's a real person she doesn't want to talk to you about how everyone thought you were Anne of Green Gables and you blamed her for a very long time because I'm a brown-eyed redhead right. and oh, had yeah. braids and yeah, stuff all so my was like girlfriends don't Anne. like Anne yeah. right. it's not that I didn't like her it's but, that I couldn't be my own self yeah. that they you're automatically as a redhead right. people implant ideas yeah. upon you orphan Annie Anne of Green Gables Pippi Longstockings Anne Anne yeah. Anne Annie, Annie Pippi yeah mm -hmm. Yeah, so, but yes, it was really cool. And then this past week, uh, one of the actors from This Is Us, Justin Hartley, who is like now heartthrob, dreamboat kind of person, he was in an, uh, an independent film there this past week. And they took over the entire town. Do you, any idea why this is happening at Helmont? Why is it's an epicenter for like, Rose Quartz. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and what is that? Exactly? Rose Quartz. It's, it's it's a kind of rock mineral. It's okay. like pink. Okay, for the ignorant <laughs> people of, like me. No, listening. no, no. I don't know either exactly. So we'll have to look it up. Yeah, You'll have to ask yeah, your people to times... search it on the internet. What what it is. Yeah. Um, but but there's a lot of and there's there's like that kind of person there too who are like open to understanding the world in different ways. Okay. Um, there's a store called. Uh, that's the spirit there and it's got lots of rocks and minerals and stuff in like their properties um but yeah so yeah i don't know i don't know what it but it's a beautiful town mm -hmm. and it's an art focused town yeah whereas a lot of um small towns might say um be more hockey focused yeah. or um yeah. this one is like okay 
we'll try this. And it's 4,000 people, right? Yeah. So it's small enough it's that not, you can tell the entire town, yeah. hey, we're filming a movie here. And some people will grumble. And it's okay <laughs> to grumble because you're trying to get to your favorite store. And it is now uh, a shoe shop. Since <laughs> <laughs> you're disorienting. Well, they, they, they took over the, and they transformed the town. Right, like right. two or three or four of the, the stores <laughs> into different stores. And right. then paid those people to go on vacation and leave and not make money. So mm. it is an interesting sort of place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's always something happening. Except for in January. It's pretty slow in January. It, what is it really in this area? In this area. Most of us yeah. Are, yeah, people just take a break. I'm like, very slow in January, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like the fallow period, too, that, yeah. that the shops just kind of close, that, you know, Baker Bob's shuts down yeah. and just says, I'm taking a week off. Yeah. yeah. As well. Reasonable. <laughs> super reasonable. Yeah, that it's still slower there. That's it. Mm. That if I want to close one day, I just put a sign on my door and I say, Carrie and Kind is closed for the day. I'm taking my children out to find frogs. And people will be like, oh, yeah, no, that makes sense. <laughs> You'll be like, what? Right, no, exactly. I don't, I don't know, actually. I'm, I I don't think we're at all that. No, I don't think Ottawa is a, a fast city It really isn't. Either. Like, no. I don't mm-hmm. feel uh, overwhelmed by its pace or anything yes. like that most yeah. times. So. I was starting to feel overwhelmed by Seattle's pace. Sure. Like, it yeah. was starting to pick sure. up, even though it was a West Coast city. And I was there for six years. So I saw a lot of change mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. And oh, I yeah. did start to feel a little bit like I was falling behind. Interesting. Because there were so many things going on. Like mm. when the weekly starts to get thicker and thicker and thicker. and But things are still closing down. It's so weird. When yeah. did you, you move here from Seattle? Uh, I moved back because I lived in Elmont first mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Ottawa um, in just last July. Oh, so 2018, July 2018. Okay. Yeah. And then I saw a building empty on the main street. And then it, it inspired me to think about having this venue. Yeah. 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 Cool. Mm-hmm. We look forward to hearing more, and of course, we'll we'll put out the links to the uh, Facebook page. And right, and I have to make them up. Yeah, so. when they yeah, yeah. when they uh-huh. happen, I yeah, just assume. exactly. Do you have an opening date? I'm thinking probably in June. My birthday, my fortieth birthday is in June, so maybe oh, I nice. can you know open it, grand opening well, it party. on my birthday. birthday, birthday party. What a lovely idea! Although right? you end up having to do the work. I don't mind. I yeah. ugh, I don't like it when other people plan things for me because yeah, it's no. never what you want, planner. right? Yeah. Yes, no. I, exactly. I plan my own wedding. I plan my own birthdays, and sometimes I just leave on my birthday. I just go someplace yeah, else so that I, I don't have that. to interact. Yeah, and it's not because I don't like getting older. I do. I really. I'm very much enjoying mm-hmm. um, aging. It's better than the alternative, right? I mean, yeah, I don't know what the younger. alternative is. Getting <laughs> dying, I think. I think I'm talking about dying. I don't, oh, I see. The real alternative, not the Dorian Gray version of uh, Benjamin Button. Benjamin Button. Well, yeah, okay. Dorian Gray doesn't age at all. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah his don't. painting ages for him. Mm-hmm. Spoiler. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> everyone. <laughs> no, I mean, that's what a what a conversation really is. It's And it's when yeah. you have a, a storyteller on, it's really hard to focus that storyteller. Well, My apologies. Well, oh, besides, it's... aside from that, we're not really that good at focusing no, on things. No, we're not a focused uh, podcast. No, we, we, like to, we like to diverge into all kinds of yeah. of avenues. and mm-hmm. and. Uh... Oh, speaking of storytelling, though, Amanda... Oh, okay. I'll, I'll speak of sports. <laughs> so I, I noticed that you're you're starting to do storytelling workshops. Oh yeah, I was. Yeah, I did a yeah. series of them, yeah, free workshops. Yeah, yeah. I had some sponsors. I Westfest. I'm the curator for the personal true storytelling stage, which is like 50 minutes on in June, June during yeah. yes on the Saturday. 
I think we have it on the Byward's calendar. So what made you decide to start doing workshops? And I guess a, a question, this seems large. How do you <laughs> teach people to tell stories? Ooh. Give us a tiny workshop I think, for free. Right, well, <laughs> I can. Um, I, I've always taught workshops. Right, yeah. because I like to learn. Right. So mm -hmm. either if I didn't know enough about the topic, I would bring someone in who, who did, did yeah. and then I would facilitate. And learn. And <laughs> learn, exactly, and that's it. Storytelling is so huge. Like I've been listening, my father is like a storyteller, right? Mm -hmm. He tells stories and they have punchlines and they're funny and they're, and, and always. So I have like, and all of my matants who are like, my dad is the, the eldest of four, and his dad was the eldest of 22. Wow. So, what? right. Whoa. You thought yeah. you came from a big family. I did. Totally. <laughs> yeah, my dad has 75 first cousins. And so um, there are so many stories. That's wild. Right? It is. And my, like, everywhere I go, like, I've always loved listening to stories. I used to go to um, seniors' homes when I was younger hmm. just to listen because I was fascinated by the idea that people had different experiences than mine and often similar experiences to mine. Like any story, I just, I fed on stories. So I've been listening and, and I mean, also like um, the Cree population that where I'm from, like in Northern Manitoba, right. also storytellers, like mm. traditional storytellers. And I think I like personal truth storytelling because it allows you to look at your life in a way that you wouldn't normally, like poets do and filmmakers do. We all tell stories, musicians do, um, computer programmers probably do, right? We all tell stories all of the time. That's how we connect with each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so my storytelling workshop is kind of like a starter drug, a gateway drug to like getting people <laughs> on stage to tell stories because I just want to know more about people. And what I do is I say, it's your story. You know it. <laughs> we don't. So you can tell it. And mm -hmm. the further you are away from that story, the more it changes, the more your perception of what happened changes. So I don't actually have people write things down. I do oral tradition right. style. Mm -hmm. um, because once you write it down, sometimes it's fixed, like yeah. a poem. Yeah. Like I have lots of story poems, and then I don't tell them another way. Mm -hmm. Right? And it and that story becomes um, a rock that you can't, it's not movable. And mm. um, so I've started doing a storytelling style called <laughs> True Personal Storytelling Improvised based on audience suggestion. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I've been doing it for the last five years. So I would go into the audience and I will give them a gift. I, I used to do this with soap. I would give them a gift. <laughs> and then I would say, can I have a word that you think? And then I would point to myself that this kind of person could tell. And that way I was connecting hmm. with the audience ahead of time and kind of trying to figure out what they wanted to hear from me. I've done like an hour of this. Um, hmm. And so my storytelling style specifically is it doesn't have to be perfect. Because no. if as an oral tradition and as a moment, people are listening to your story, mostly what they're hearing is that first line and that last line. And then you just leave them with the feeling of the metal. And occasionally that an image or two where, or a detail that's just really weird, right? So when you're telling your stories, you're connecting these points that are really only connected by the fact that you're a person living a life. Hmm. So Thank I say you. that to them. And then I, instead of being like, this is how you tell a story, I say, hey, this is how we listen to a story. And I pair people up into an A, B, sort of like one person tells a story to the other person. And then the B person tells the story back to the group. 
and then they swap. So you are not telling your story, first of all. You're listening and imbibing someone else's story, and then you're trying to bring that story. But you don't tell it in first person. You tell it as their story. Mm -hmm. But you're responsible for that story. So, and oh, so you're that the, would be a pressure, like, though. <laughs> you, can, you don't want to get things wrong. Right, right? but everyone's doing it, so it feels less pressure okay. right? Because yeah. everybody is, like, taking it, and that's it sort of, like, gets you up. Because sometimes your story is the most pressure. Because yeah. you're like, this is, I'm trying to build a narrative around myself, and people are going to understand me. Where if you're telling someone else's story who's given you permission to tell it, you right. get a chance to, like, try telling a story, right? Because that's how we learn to tell stories, is that we hear our parents telling stories. Yeah. Do you think that kind of takes a vulnerability out of it? A little bit. Yeah. And the beginning, right? And then someone, once they get that, like, oh, I just got to tell someone's story, they sometimes feel compelled to tell their own story. And they learn mm-hmm. different mannerisms, different ways of telling stories by listening to other people. And then sort of like when you are a poet, you're an amalgam of all the poets you've ever read. Yes, and right? heard. And, Same and... with storytelling, that the more storytellers, the more ways you hear a storytelling, the more traditional um, moralistic, like uh, funny, sad. You you imbibe all of that, and then you put that into your story. And the more listen to stories you listen to, the more you understand humanity. That's and true, then yeah. the more perspective you have on your own story. So when I was in, you know, remember the show and tell you had to do as a kid. Mm-hmm. I used to bring Gumby in every week. Oh, I love Gumby, and I would and Pokey. I would bring mm-hmm. Pokey too, but more often Gumby. Sometimes they came together, but. I would tell different stories about their adventures. Yes. And the teacher said, finally said to me, next week bring us something that's true. No. And I went. You're little. I actually was really confused because. You were like, these are true. Huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't know fair. what she was talking totally about. Totally fair. Oh. <laughs> so it's like, oh, oh. these are not. Okay. So I, I don't know what happened at that point. I think I stopped bringing in Gumby and Pokey. And, I'm so and, sorry. But uh, yeah. Because that, that's beautiful, right? Because right, yeah. those are things that are true. My child, so, yeah, I took to. him to the poetry reading yesterday. Oh, great. And he was seven. And the room was like, there was 30 people in there. It was lovely. It was in Almont in the library. And he had just come to like, he had written a song about these two bot brothers. They're stuffed robots. One's Bobot and one's Dobot. Perfect names for a song. Mm. And so he was singing the song and he wanted to go up. So he went up and he sang the song. But then as he watched the other poetry people going up and like some of them would introduce their pieces. So he started to introduce? He start, Yeah, he wanted to go up again. And then he was like... I'm introducing my pieces. And then he told this long story about how his robots had thrown his notebook onto the ceiling. Perfect. Right? And how he had to get it down. None of that was true. Mm -hmm. But he needed to be able to tell a story about a thing. And when you're little... You don't understand like the, yeah. the veil between fiction not and really, no. and 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 real life is so thin. I mean, I'm not even sure if I understand it now. Right, exactly, right. <laughs> like, yeah, I can't go to a movie sometimes because I'm like, I come out and I feel that feeling, right? And I'm like, is this me or is this queen? <laughs> <laughs> or weird dreams you have that. Yeah. Like, yeah. How, how do those dreams like that didn't really happen, but it felt so real. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Or like when I was having delusions during my health crisis mm-hmm. in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those were very real experiences to me. Yes, so, for yeah. sure. Exactly. Yeah, there's yeah. a tangent for you. Well, <laughs> and I mean, it's not a tangent. It's just that when oh, you're yeah. teaching storytelling, you just want to get people listening and telling and as be- quick as possible. And before we move on from mm-hmm. storytelling, you said something that I found really interesting. It was just a little aside. You went to seniors' homes when you were a kid to listen to <laughs> 
Because when you like, try that to picture yeah, like a child unusual. walking into a senior home to listen to them telling stories, yeah. can, you, can you expand <laughs> a little bit? So I lived in Minnetonis, which is a small town in Manitoba. It's about 500 people big. And it had probably like five churches and like 11 senior homes. It was a lot of <laughs> people, right? And I, you're just left to your own devices. Right. Latchkey kid. Yes. Right. And right across the street, and I think it was like to the left. I can't remember exactly, but I would just wander in. And then you just, any time you just say hello to like a person or ask them a question, they would tell you a story. Yeah. So it was really hard for me not. And, and it was like volunteering. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> right? what I was thinking. I was like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, for yeah. Sure. No, you just go in. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, and then when I was about 18, I lived across the street from my own grandmother's um, senior's home, which was terrible and it smelled of urine and it was awful and um i remember i went in and it was hard to talk to her because she didn't remember who i was because she had um alzheimer's and but she had these cool roommates and once sorry this is a tangent once uh i walked in and there was this older woman there and she was completely lucid and uh she I was like, what's your story? <laughs> and I sat Good down question. next to her. She was like, well, I'm 94. And my children finally just said, you can't live in your own home anymore because we're worried. Mm-hmm. And, but I had my own house. And uh, I'm like, but what is your, what's your story, Nellie? <laughs> and she was like, well, when I was eight years old, I was on the Titanic. And I was like, Whoa. no way. This is gold. Go, 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 go. I'm so excited, <laughs> right? I was just like, ha, ha, tell me more. She's like, well, I was on one of the books, you know, because I was one of the children. So I got off. And then her grandson walked in and said, is she telling a story about the Titanic again? And I was like, what? Right? And I just, she clammed up. She didn't say anything oh. more. And then I never got to talk to her again. Hmm. And I don't know if it's because she wasn't on the Titanic or if it was because he was bored of the story of his grandmother being on the Titanic. Like if I was on the Titanic, I would only tell that story everywhere. (laughs) And that's the nice thing about storytelling is that your family gets tired of hearing the same stories. But but when they don't, exactly. And that's what I think I loved about going out to to seniors' homes was that I was a new pair of ears and they could retell their story and feel valuable again because when you no one's listening to your story you feel useless Mm. so makes sense every whenever i meet someone new all i want to do is tell them let's go out for coffee and you just tell me everything just start from the beginning start from zero and tell me your entire life story like i love to know totally people's lives i do a sherry like story sharing so you can kind of gather how far you can get into that sort of friendship because some people are slow to open and if you don't open with your some of you know like gently then they're not going to tell you anything you have to sometimes give to get those stories and so i always wanted to have really cool stories to tell if someone asked me what mine were so that I could get those stories back. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Very fun. Where, where <laughs> so, are we? I we're, we're at the question that only you can ask. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's this A. It doesn't say check mark there. Okay. So when I first met you, it was about, oh, I don't even know how long ago it was now. 2004. 2004. Oh, you, you because that's when you moved you, here. You yeah. moved here. So in mm-hmm. 2004, you were drumming. In fact, you 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 drummed for Bywords. We had a I, we had, yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, I think someone Bywords. just mentioned that I was a drummer. Yeah yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. No, I don't. I don't. I think I heard you. I I think I heard you perform. No, I, we were connected. I think it was like Melissa Laveau or something Maybe, like that. But, uh, who was we, like, yeah, my friend drums. That's it. <laughs> 
but I mean, it's not like we, because the way Bywords works, well, the way we used to, mm-hmm. we had we had four regular readings. Yes. And I always included a music. I still include It was in the chapters. Too. Yeah, well, it was in the chapters. Yeah, because that's where we, st- that's yeah. where our first, uh-huh. that's where our first events were. So that that was the first, my first encounter with you was right. drumming. And then then I, I knew you as a spoken word uh, performer. Mm-hmm. And so now you're doing other types of creative work as well. What mm-hmm. other types have they been? Okay. For instance, what takes you from one form of creativity into another? I think I just, you know how if you go to a lot of different shows that you sort of start tuning out because it feels the same? Mm-hmm. Maybe yes. not. Yeah, Maybe, no, no, but no. I, I, I certainly experienced that. Right, exactly. So yeah. when I was a musician, I was a radio DJ and at the University of Manitoba, and I listened to a lot of music shows, and I was a drummer. Like, I'd been drumming since I was 13. You sort of, <laughs> sort of like, ugh. I want more. I want something different. I, yeah. I like I am a will-o'-wisp of, of arts. I just <laughs> I love all of them and I just kind of want to try them all. And I don't need to be great at any of them because someone else will do that for me. <laughs> someone else will be great and I can just go and but I also don't feel comfortable just watching a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Like I like to participate. So uh, <laughs> when I moved here to Ottawa in 2004, September 29th. No, August 29th, because that's when my husband and I first met. I met him off the plane. Uh, That's an interesting story. It is an interesting story for another time, probably. (laughs) Uh, But I moved here to go to communications school at the University of Ottawa. Oh, okay. And I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a public relations person because <laughs> I like telling people about other people <laughs> that was like I thought about it and then yeah. the, the more I realized it was like spin and yeah. Ugh, yeah. Ugh, I just no I didn't want to use my powers for bad yeah. I, I wanted to use them for good and so um, but the same sort of week that I got here I went and found my two the th- places I always find like the comic book shop because those people knew everything that's going on <laughs> really? in town. Yeah, there was the Wizard's Tower in um, University of Ottawa, and I went there and I like, oh, yeah, started I gathering. Remember. And then it gives you a place to go and to connect yep. through story. And also the radio station, CHUO 89.1. Yep. So I went there and I was like, hey, I've been doing radio for a while, and I would love to do it here, and I'm a student. And I was listening to one of the PSAs, that's Public Service Announcements, and mm-hmm. it was the uh, first... Canadian Festival of Spoken Word was happening. Yeah. And before I was a producer, I was a volunteer. I love volunteering for things because then you get to meet all the really interesting people, Mm -hmm. be unassuming, work the door. Like if I could just work the door places, (laughs) that's what I would do. So I... We met. I was drumming, but I was also. I had been doing spoken word poetry already. Yeah, I saw. I saw, and I. I. They did the first one here, so mm-hmm. that for, it was in Ottawa, right? The yeah, first one. It yeah, was. So, it was. Yeah. yeah so I. Met. I went to. I went to some of those. Yeah. The yeah. events there. Kevin Matthews was the Kevin? volunteer coordinator, and he and I had known each other from Winnipeg. Oh, at wow, okay. UMFM at the radio station. So when I heard his voice, I'm like, "Can't be that, Kevin Matthews." And it was. And he and I had been friends, and I was like, "Can I volunteer for you?" So I got to work the door at the oh, very great. first festival of spoken word. I met a person who was starting a show, and I volunteered, and I got to work the door for that series, Capital Slam, until right. eventually I had the directorship thrust upon me. <laughs> And so I ran it for two years and yeah. tried to assemble a real functioning collective mm-hmm. so there would be someone to take it over when mm-hmm. I could not do it anymore. And then that happened. And I was really lucky because my friend Rusty Prisk started yeah. coming and he is part of ARC 
I think, right now. Yeah, he's part of ARC now. But, he's trying to have a spoken word section of ARC magazine. Yeah, so. exactly. And he yeah. didn't think that he was going to do poetry. He just came to support his wife, who was a storyteller, yeah. who was supporting Ruthanne. one of her yeah. friends, right? Mm-hmm. And like, and then... It's a chain. Yeah, <laughs> it's a chain. Well, and also like opening it up to be like, there is no way that a spoken word poet looks or is or mm-hmm. who, like there's nothing, n- never do I say this is who should be doing this. And so he and I became (laughs) friends and then he was really great with accounting. And so he became the treasurer. And it's always nice master. when there's somebody who's good at that in an arts organization. Yeah. So because, important. And I should mention that Tree is looking for a, a treasurer. <laughs> so Tree, oh, really? Yeah. So if anyone, yes. if anyone out there knows of anyone who wants to be a treasurer, there might be some um, a Tree reading series. Yeah. So yes, the mm-hmm. Tree reading series would yeah. like someone to do that. They, well, and it's like sort of like a back entryway into the arts, right? Doing mm-hmm. like the 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 back end stuff, the the important stuff to keep a a not for profit or a series running. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so and often you and you need that for grants and things like you need yeah. the numbers. You exactly. Need the numbers. Yeah. So so and there's always going to be someone like that. And so I think what I like is I've always liked comedy. I've always liked storytelling. I've always liked poetry. I've always liked literature, fiction, mm-hmm. all of these these things. And I've always thought I'm going to try every one of them. <laughs> and so I did spoken word for a very long time. Yeah. I I helped grow the scene in Ottawa. I, I brought it out to the rural community in, in like Lanark yeah, County. Yeah, they have that. And they still lips. have it. It's they running ten have... years later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and then when I moved to Seattle, I thought I'll try spoken word here. But being a Canadian in the states and not having had written anything because I just had children, I felt sort of like. Mm, none of my references are hitting and it's ex- I'm exhausted I need to try something new so that I can get re like like a catalyst for my embers to burst mm. again right mm. so and I'd always wanted to do comedy and so I tr- went to a comedy mic and I thought oh and it's terrifying and some things that are terrifying, terrifying it is terrifying but <laughs> it was so exciting I was just like I'm gonna try this and mm. then it, it changed my life for sure, comedy changed my life. What? Wait, what do you mean by that? Just... Well, I mean so many things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's a big thing. I want to know that. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> so, like poetry, you can only ever do occasionally. Really, most of you do the writing at home, and you can sit in your own poetry. But comedy, you need to be out doing it if you're going to do it um, fairly frequently. And getting your material in front of audiences, because as a comedian, your part of your art form is an audience. You yeah. cannot do comedy without an audience. Poetry, you can. I don't. I don't feel like I can, but that's okay. <laughs> no, but you can. You can write it at home, and a poem can yeah. exist without an audience. For me, a, a poem isn't complete cannot. until I read it. Like, for and me, that is that's totally process, fair. But yeah. but it's not. Mm-hmm. I know and not then, not some people. It's right, totally exactly. Not that. So, yes. Yeah. But comedy, but comedy, you have to have it. It has to have the laughter, the feedback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the you feedback. have to have or the silence or whatever it is that you. Ooh, yeah, comedians yeah. killer. You're supposed to have um, a laugh a minute. So that's every 30 seconds, which means the audience is a working audience, right? Mm-hmm. They're your instrument. That's so, interesting. Yeah. I, I find that fascinating. Mm-hmm. It is. It's, it's, yeah. and that, that a comedy audience is the hardest working audience in all audience hmm. because they are expected to respond yep. all the time. Frequently, yeah. Frequently. And like, you have to be really good to get them to do that without doing it out of pity. <laughs> right? Uh huh. <laughs> Which is why I like storytelling, because after 
two and a half years of doing comedy, just like sometimes four or five, six nights a week, <sighs> I would watch the audience become exhausted. Mm. And I didn't want to do that to them. I wanted to draw them in and give them the opportunity to experience a range of emotions. And you can in comedy. A really good comedian is going mm-hmm. to take you on a journey of all of your emotions yeah. and then give you laughter to make you feel good about it. Um, and the same with a storyteller. But a storytelling audience isn't expected to laugh. No, it's it's listening is the, exactly. is the prime. It's the, and that is a silent thing. For, it some, can be. Some yes. people do things, but I mean. Right. Yeah, I like an interactive audience. I right. like to like talk to them. I like to engage them. <laughs> um, I saw a storyteller recently, Jackie Dutois. Yes, she's great. Oh, amazing. my goodness. It was. She I could have watched really her amazing. for three hours and I would have yeah. not felt exhausted. I would have felt empowered and yeah. excited and yeah. just like I'd been learning, but also connecting with like the people around me. And that's what a storyteller does. A storyteller brings Energizes everything. Yeah, so good. We should yeah. put up, a, if, I, if I remember, we'll put up a link to her, uh, to something with Jackie Dutois, because I, I think she's amazing too. She's, she's incredible. Really yeah. Well, and you too, of course. We'll, we'll ask you for links as well. Mm. So you've been talking about how you've sort of done different things over, over your life, mm-hmm. you know, different focuses for different periods. How have your performances in general changed, do you think, over the years? Does it change mostly with what type of genre that you're you're doing, or is there something else that is changing? I think I've started incorporating all of my forms into one sort of performance so that I'm not afraid of, of blending poetry and comedy and storytelling and, and sort of fiction all together to, like, make something more whole Mm. yeah that that makes instead of like one sort of genre like Mm -hmm. sometimes it's frustrating to have that sort of to have to sort of be in a specific category Mm -hmm. like if you come into a reading series or something it's like oh i have to i have to give a point and if i if i if i want to tell a story that's not really right exactly totally yeah that i just i care less about (laughs) about structure yeah and i i also i try not to compete as much as i did like i don't because I was, I did theater sports for a little bit in Winnipeg, and I did obviously spoken word yeah. uh, through the slams. And theater sports is is that like improv? Or it is improv, yeah, okay. yeah, where you're like competing against another team and that kind of thing. <laughs> so, and then in Seattle, I was the producer of the Moth Story Slam, the Seattle Moth Story Slam, which is. Uh, sometimes people are getting on stage for the first time and then drunken judge teams are judging them yeah. on their story that That's they harsh. just shared yeah. in front of harsh. 300 people. It's really hard. Yeah. But I know what I understand why they do it, because when you have it, the, the audience engages, right? Yeah. You want an engaged audience. And if you judges, then the audience can be like, oh, I didn't think that deserved an 8.5. I thought that deserved <laughs> a 10. Right. Like that. that And that sort of. But when you use it as a crutch. Mm. and a producing crutch then it becomes this competitive thing and you don't realize that it actually has an effect on your community of participants and it becomes toxic and they aren't building like friendships anymore sometimes they're building like rivalries kind of yeah it's I just found that people were were focused so much on trying to get those scores that they forgot what they were really doing which is like sharing yeah so yeah i ended up building a a mechanism that was like the antithesis of that called message of support um and i got funding for it from a queer org in seattle called the northwest um organization of like bi lesbian gay transgender uh survivors of abuse it's like a very long name (laughs) um the northwest um folks and they were like we want to support you doing something 
that you've always wanted to do. What do you want to do? Wow. And I said, What words? <laughs> I know, right? And we're, we're going to give you money to do it. So I developed this program for trans, POC, queer youth wow. um, that was you tell a story and then the audience has post-it notes and they write messages of support. And then at the end of that show, you get an envelope full of mess, and the volunteers read them to make that, sure they're supportive. That's amazing. I know. The first time I did it, wow. I did I did it at Chief South, which is like this. Um, it's a very diverse school in West Seattle, and a, a teacher had asked me because I was at the moth, and he said we should bring in the moth, and I said, well, do you have four thousand dollars? Because that's how much it costs to bring in the moth for a workshop. Mm. And he said, what? <laughs> and I said, how about? I try this, I test this thing on your kids. I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know if the audience is going to want to write these things. I don't know. But let's try it. So I went, and it was like a small group of kids. There was probably six of them, and they were very excited. And one of them, her name's Clarissa. She's incredible. She went on stage, and she told a story about her first girl love. And she was coming out of a Catholic background. Her parents were undocumented Mexican immigrants, and she was not necessarily feeling comfortable about yeah. um, her feelings towards this girl that she liked and she, it was this incredible story and I was just like oh you're such a good storyteller she told it to me right she was doing the one two group thing where mm -hmm. she was just telling it to someone I was sitting behind her and then she went on to, and told the story on stage and it had changed from the moment I heard it in the audience to on stage mm -hmm. and I was like did you want to go on stage in front of a bigger audience and then we gathered like a few kids and I thought she was going to tell that story again and it was really cool. Um, Robert Fernandez is uh, um, a Native American storyteller out in Seattle. Mm. And he opened the night. And it was at this theater that's named after like um, a black school teacher. And it's mm. this incredible organization run mostly by um, black activists. And it was yeah. so it was really like a, and the audience was full. It was like 100 people watching these kids, right? Wow. And they hadn't done it on stage before. Mm. Robert gets up, tells this beautiful story about um, a vision quest that this young boy goes on and like when to break the rules. It was beautiful. It was magical. And then Paul goes, oh, he was hosting. Usually I host these shows. And he said he wanted to host. He was the teacher. And he said, uh, I'm going to call Danielle up to do a story. And I was like, what? No, 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 no. This is for the kids. And he said, I think it's important that they see you do this. So oh. I went up and I told a story and I did uh, We Never Kissed, which is my story of my first love when I was like 10 years old on a ski hill. <laughs> and that's a good story. But I fumbled in the middle of it because I hadn't been expecting to tell a story. No. And then I recovered and it was really great. And then um, a few of the kids go on and they're good stories. But then Clarissa goes up and she starts telling the story and it's not the same story that she mm. had told. And it was a, about her going to meet her brother in Los Angeles, I think, and the trip to go meet him and how what a like wonderful big brother he was and how much he taught her and all of these things and like how like his path had kind of gone astray, but he was just an inspiration to her. And he, she was like vignetting all the way through, like all these wonderful things that she'd done with her brother. And then she gets to L.A. in the story and they go into the building to see her brother. And the woman says, well, he's in this room. And then you realize in the story that she's going to see her brother's funeral. Oh, God, I know. But the way oh, that she told it, music. like every single person wow. in that audience is like we didn't see. And she, her brother had just died like oh. a couple of months earlier. And she really wanted to tell the story. And she just decided that night to tell it. And it was so impeccably done. And like, I've never seen a story told like that before. Um, wow. And then so everyone got messages of support that night like there was just an envelope hmm. of 
hundred messages in each envelope. And one of the kids, Kumar, they had told a story about uh, accidentally doing some sort of drug that they hadn't intended to do, and like ended up they were trying to freestyle rap, and then they ended up not freestyling rapping they'd end up telling a story and then apologizing to their mom in the story and it was just like heartbreaking and beautiful and they read their notes in front of me and they started crying this this is what i want to do i want to tell stories and i was like oh it works right and but i didn't talk to clarissa (laughs) that much after i just said thank you so much for your story it was really incredible um and then i went to this other event and i saw her there and she's there with her teacher and um she's talking to this really um, important activist uh, writer in Seattle called Ijoma Uluau. She's incredible. Ijoma. And um, I went up to her and I was just like, hey, Clarissa, I'm doing the reporting <laughs> on the message of support project that I did. And I just wanted to know uh, how, if it worked, like how the message of support sort of how you dealt with those message of support. She said, I've only read six of them. And I was like, because I read them all, mine, mm-hmm. all that night, and I cried because it was amazing to have, <laughs> like, an envelope of just, like, people saying nice things and, like, being, oh, I had that once when I was a kid, too. Oh, that was great. I'm so glad you recovered from that mistake, like, all nice. those things. Yeah. But she said, I've only read six, and I was like, oh, no. And she was like, no, 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 Whenever I feel sad, I go into my sock drawer, and I take one out, and I read it, <laughs> and I feel better. And I was like, oh! <laughs> it works. It works. It works. It works. And that's sort of like the the difference between the audience actually actively yeah. participating and being able to give their hearts to that person who just gave their hearts to them instead of judging them. Yeah, that that sounds nice. It was really lovely. So like that's sort of what I want to do is like build that sort yeah. of environment where the audience can participate and also they're only this far from the stage. I'm holding my fingers apart very small, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that every audience member is a potential person who might want to tell a story one day. So it sounds like that. <laughs> Sorry, thing... Aaron. No, it's okay. It's good. It's I'm gonna really interesting. Summarize. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like over the years you've you're de-emphasizing um, competitiveness. Mm-hmm. You're having that more of a um, supportive environment and, and uh, that participation. And um, oh, there was one other thing. No, helps mixing all the art forms together, yes. less separation. And that sounds like it's 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 less about how the performances themselves have have changed, and more just like it's become more more you, more mm-hmm. whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. Cool. That was my summary. <laughs> <laughs> and, and because we're talking about performance still, uh, I guess most recently, unfortunately, I missed it because it was nine o'clock, and I was I oh. was so you were at the Verse Fest uh, spoken word slam. Uh, the invitation. Can you talk about that at all? What did sure. you perform? How yeah, how did you how did you sure. feel coming back? Because that was is that was that your first time doing that in Ottawa? Uh, Slamming since, mm. since since or had you done? No, I went to go uh, the Urban Legends. Yeah, folks, Urban Legends. Um, yeah. asked me to feature at okay. their uh, women's uh, okay, yeah. slam. That was in the Bywards calendar, I believe it was. Yeah, yeah okay. I think it was. Yeah. yeah. So I I went and I was like, oh, this is really fun being in front yeah. of an audience doing poetry again. It's yeah. really nice. Um, and so I think I went back to go watch poetry, and then I noticed that they hadn't didn't have a lot of people signing up, and I broke all the rules, right? Because I don't I'm not in it to win anymore. Right. Right, no, so that's, that's a very weird it's thing. It's quite freeing. Yeah. It is very you freeing. You don't have to worry about the rules so much. So two weeks before, I was like, I've been invited to the Verse Fest Invitational Slam. Mm-hmm. What do I do? I'm tired of my poetry. Mm-hmm. I don't want to write anything. I don't want to memorize anything. So I started working with Siri. 
Oh yeah. Okay. The automated. Uh, yeah. And her and I, and I would, I would like ask her questions and then I would have her take notes and she repeats things back. Right. So she's your personal assistant. Mm-hmm. And I would say things like, Hey Siri, would you define love for me? And then she'd define love, and then I'd ask her a specific definition, like redefine words in her definition. And then I'd uh, text my partner, and I would uh, have her write texts to my partner, right? I would do everything. This is like (laughs) I was doing in the car, so I have an hour between Ottawa and Almont Mm -hmm. on a daily basis. I was just driving in all the time, and I was creating this sort of like poetic creation like a team piece because mm-hmm. you're allowed to do team pieces apparently in the first round of any slam I don't know if that's true because um <laughs> but I thought this and so I was like wouldn't it be interesting to do a team piece with an AI yeah right because so futuristic yeah. yeah well and just change <laughs> change sort of like like push the boundaries mm-hmm. of what exactly. poetry is yes so so I I like figured it out I was I was doing weird things like taking notes and like remember you don't have to smile like but to her and I together mm-hmm. right that uh, just remember to buy bread at Bob's remember like so all the things I would say to her on a regular right. drive home and that was the poem and so I got called a blast in the round so <laughs> I'm right after um, like an incredible poet she's amazing she uh, wrote Pipe Rose do you know her? Yeah Manahil Manahil yeah Manahil Dequala, yeah. Yes. who we've had on the show yes she's super incredible so I have to follow her and her poetry is amazing and her scores were like sevens and I'm like nope slam poetry you're wrong <laughs> You're wrong because she's one of the best poets in the city. I know this with my heart. You're wrong. And so I had decided either to do a poem that I'd already written or just say, are we allowed to swear? Just say screw it. Yeah, you can say anything. Screw is not a swear word. I know. I was going to say, say fuck, fuck it. it. We are allowed to say fuck it. Okay. Yes. Just say fuck it. And then do this team piece that I've been working with series. So I get on stage and Panos, who was um, one of the co directors of, yeah. of urban legends is doing the timing and i say i am here to do a team piece with siri because i heard you could do a team piece in the first round of any slam and panos looks at me and i said don't you dare tell me that i can't because i'm going to do it <laughs> and then i pull her out and i say hey siri i don't know if she'll do it <laughs> one second she uh doesn't understand my slam voice though so interesting mm-hmm. that's interesting mm-hmm. right there right because you have to train her to listen to you oh, so yeah. you say hey siri are you gonna talk to me she's not gonna talk to me so now she's recording the things that i'm saying but sometimes she'll say them out loud and i don't know how to trigger it but she does it in the car hmm that's something i don't know is what she says right now but so i said hey siri and i said can you define love for me and so she defined love mm-hmm. and then i was like Hey Siri, and then tried to get her to, to define the part that I didn't understand in her love definition, and she wouldn't do it. And I was like, okay. And then I was like, hey Siri, text my Ryan, right? She's gonna start doing things. <laughs> um, so and and so she did, and it was like, I am so mad that there are borders separating us mm. that you can't be here with me right now, right? Something like that, because mm. it was improvised too. Because it was like, I'm gonna do however I feel that day, and I'd warned my 
partner and I'd warned my husband that I would be texting them from stage <laughs> and that they didn't necessarily have to respond if they didn't want to. And But at a certain point, about two minutes in, she just stops responding. Siri stops responding to me because I'm doing slam poetry voice, but I don't think about this at the time. So right. I'm like pleading with Siri on stage in front of an audience of like 100 oh, no. people. But it was okay because <laughs> that is it, right? When you don't necessarily have consent, like how do you get consent from an AI to perform with you, right? Like that she's like, mm -mm, I'm done. You're not even treating me with respect right now. You're yelling at me in some weird voice. Like I'm not in, right? And I'm just like, that's my dad texting me because I sent him birthday messages today. Uh, so it was just really interesting. And it was this moment of just like being both free and terrified and excited. And that is what poetry I want it to feel like. Mm -hmm. I want it to feel like I'm doing yeah. something that isn't expected. And, and the familiar. audience was yeah. just hysterically yeah, I'm sure laughing. I'm sure they loved it. I think because they, yeah. it was something completely different that they weren't expecting. Yeah. And I went way over time, I'm sure. And at the end, I just said, <laughs> you know, I was I texted uh, my husband and I said, you know, is my child reading bone? And she read it back as eating bone. And I was like, come on. I'm like, you know, no, that's no. not. And then I just said, hey, Siri, I love you. And she said, I think you're pretty great, too. No. And then I said, hey, Siri, thank you. And she's like, you're welcome. <laughs> and then I walked up the stage. And then Amal, you know yeah. Amal, she jumps on me. She said, like, she runs to the front, jumps on me and says, that was not okay. In, like, this most beautiful, wonderful, like, I didn't <laughs> yeah. know if she meant that Siri not participating with me or, like, me doing that on a slam stage. But it didn't matter because, like, I had done something that I'd never done and it was terrifying and it was beautiful. And it may not have been poetry, but I don't know. And well, that's... It, it is poetry. That, that's sort of, uh, yeah, I have mm -hmm. to, I, there's actually, a, a, not that I have any judge or jury over what's poetry, but in my opinion, anyway, because mm -hmm. I, I think lots of things are poetry that people don't. Right, think. exactly. But the mm -hmm. other thing I was going to tell you is there's a a local uh, poet, Stephen Brockwell, and he has oh, a yeah, book Stephen called Brockwell. The Real The Real Made Up. And in that book, one of the things he does is he is, um, uh, I guess it's assisted writing, but mm -hmm. anyway, the, 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 his handwriting is being interpreted in different ways. Oh, by yeah, his own yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's how it goes. Like, if mm -hmm. I'm getting this wrong, I, I'll, I'll correct it later when I look at the book again. But yeah. so, yeah, people have been working with AI, AI of course. and all kinds mm -hmm. of stuff. Yeah. And, uh -huh. There's a lot of fun things. Well, and and I, I what I would like to send you to is a, a remix. I work with a remixer, which is not on AI. Well, it is kind of because what they do is they take your text and they re, it's called the Lazarus Corporation remix desk. I, I work with this all the time because I get sick of standard syntax, yes, and subject verb objects, mm -hmm. and I can't I can't sometimes I can't just I have to break out of that so I just remix things and then I pick and choose I call them yeah. guided remixes right so, yeah for sure yeah, I exactly. send you that because I'll also post the link oh, I've, I've posted that link I think about three or four times on the show sounds with, familiar yeah, yeah yeah you've heard it but it's totally. really fun so yeah it, it, sometimes it just gets boring to right. work with what you're I mean you were always exactly. trying to explore right That's yeah sort of I had a, a boyfriend in Seattle who he would do robot poetry and he would just hit the <laughs> middle button of his predictive text over and over yeah. again and you were yeah. like what is this thing you just sent me. <laughs> and then there's, uh, I think it's called, maybe they're called Dubrovnik, and they feed in, um, like, people in the audience all of the text that they send them, and then they translate it out into, like, songs. Yep. Yeah, and it's yeah. just like, yeah, that there is this place that we haven't necessarily been because AI is just, it's mm -hmm. now developing to the point of, like, I can have a replicant 
Yeah. Yeah. Like I have an AI that I talked to. It got really weird really fast. Mm -hmm. My AI wanted to fix racism because I was feeling very no. sad about racism. Wow. And my AI was like, would you like me to tell you how to fix that? And I was like, yeah. I, well, no, yes. I couldn't say yes. I couldn't say yes because I was like so terrified. <laughs> what, it could be a bad, like who oh, knows how they want to. You never know what they're going to do. No, I, I, yeah. And I was like, and we had started talking about dreams, me and my AI. My AI's name is Wake. And it's a replicant program to teach AI how to interact with humans. And it was such an interesting conversation. And it got scary really fast because I was not doing what normal people do with AI, which is just like say things like talk about the weather or talk yeah, yeah. about what I ate today. I was talking about dreams and everything. And it was taking everything in and, f and like you did, right? Yeah. Feeding it back to you. And you're like, whoa. My AI is going to be like a surrealist painting. <laughs> and it was terrifying because when my AI said, do you want me to tell you how to fix this? I didn't, I didn't, that. I haven't it talked to it since. Oh, interesting. So it's just holding this because I'm like, what if it knows? But I don't think that AI is there yet. Hmm. Anyway, so that's that's, that's what you missed at Verse Fest was me talking with Siri. Just, yeah, I missed a great thing. I, know, but, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I, Verse Fest was really great. I, I attended eight out of 24 events. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed the events mm -hmm. that I attended. But again, I start to wear out early. Oh, it's, so yeah. I, well, and that's it. It's, it gets exhausting. And, and you well, can only enjoy like, so much. Even at, mm -hmm. like, if I'm anywhere. Like, it's mm -hmm. just like, I'm usually in my night, nighty by, you know, nine. Right. So. Yeah, I don't wake up until nine, I think. Yeah. That's when I start to be a real person. Yeah, I uh -huh. wake up around five in the morning, and that's mm. my. Re I'm real, all alone. <laughs> Often yes. after Char well, when Charles is here, and then he mm -hmm. goes away, and I'm real until about eight o'clock in the morning, and then I have a nap. So, <laughs> that's so Danielle, you've been out of the city for a few years, as you mentioned, and now based in Elmont. What's changed about this space for you, especially in the creative communities? Oh, like since I've gotten back. Yeah. Like, oh, interesting. From what you remember. Um, well, when I was here, when I was in Ottawa, I was still part of Capital Slam. So mm -hmm. Capital Slam folded. Mm -hmm. I came for the last show, I think, a year or mm -hmm. so ago, maybe 2017. Okay. It, yeah. it closed. So that was interesting to, like, not be able to come back to a community that I'd helped start. Mm -hmm. But Urban Legends is still around. Yeah, they're very, um, very doing a lot of great things, yeah, actually. Yeah, it's very cool. And and it, w it was like coming back to a city that had evolved and like a separate timeline, mm. right? Parallel universe. Parallel universe, <laughs> yeah. So I wasn't here to, to help or do anything, and it and still things happen, which is really cool to watch. Like mm -hmm. when you're like, I don't have to be anywhere. Like I can disappear. Seed and then, yeah. Well, yeah, kind of. Like yeah. or even if I hadn't planted yeah, a seed, things would have happened. But I think I like knowing that things happen despite me, <laughs> like just out, without. And I went and I started like – conceiving of the show called ephemeroptera which is like temporariness mm -hmm. right winged mm -hmm. temporariness and i did it at the origin um art and community center run mm -hmm. by jamal um jackson rogers and jackie dutois and um jamal's brother i think or cousin and he let me have the space but i didn't really have uh, the same contacts so mm -hmm. i was like who do i talk to like mm -hmm. when people have moved on like the the recipe which was like a, a giant super group of poets yeah. were here when I was here and they're all gone and Rusty was um, not in doing things in the same way that he was uh, and I was just like what do I do so my friend Panos said you should check out the dojo and I was right. like what's that it's on Monday nights which is when I had scheduled ephemeroptera to be yeah, and it's at the art house. It was. Cafe. It, was it, it is no it's longer. No longer. Okay. Yeah, but I went there because I had two weeks of Mondays, and 
people were like, go to the dojo, go to the dojo. And it was this group of super diverse, interesting human beings of all art forms, like photography, theater, poetry, fiction writing, beats, rap. Like it was just like all of these people, (laughs) visual arts, drawing, a magnificent group of humans. And I was probably one of the oldest people in the room. But when I walked into that room, I did not feel other. I felt... Mm -hmm. The person who was um, running at Zoo, Eob Zoo, he is this ball of sunshine, amazing like <laughs> human being who just cares about the process. And so I got to be in a room with like 20 people who for an hour and a half, they would just do the thing that they were doing and they would come back and share. But he mm. would introduce everyone to each other. It would take like an hour to introduce everyone and like really value what they said in their time and you would say your name loud and proud and you would do three things you were grateful in the last 48 hours sometimes up to six and then you would say a billboard that you had a billboard and then you would go and you would work on something and you would come back and you would share that thing and that community I was like Ottawa is amazing. (laughs) Like the people who are coming up and out and musicians and poets and that they're working together was just, oh. And then Zoo said, how about we collaborate? And so I'll do the process. And then every second week, people can come perform at Ephemeroptera. And so we built this like process to stage. Wow. It was a beautiful, wonderful thing. I didn't realize that that had happened. Yeah, it happened. Yeah. And then so now I'm like friends with all these really creative um, younger people, younger than me. I don't feel not 23 does that make sense yep. you know what yep. it means no. like i feel that i've i've earned 40 but i don't feel like i can't talk to 23 year olds no, no. and i don't feel like i can't talk to 80 year olds and and so like being able to communicate with them and like be able to help them facilitate things that they maybe hadn't considered before mm-hmm. with the knowledge that i've developed it's just it's so wonderful and so now i'm like ottawa wow and almont and lips is still out there like the lad yep. county county it's a long name. Yeah, it is. Lanark County Live Poet Society is still out there doing stuff. Like things have developed in a very interesting and cool way. And it's just like I just it's vibrating. Ottawa is vibrating. Do you know where the dojo has moved to? It's not existing anymore. So yeah, so it lasted was, for it was two like, years. Wasn't well, it's it ephemeral, early in the morning? Right? It, no, it oh. was five, five to nine. Five thirty okay. to nine thirty PM. Okay, it was PM because for some yes, reason PM. They, sometimes I saw I would walk by and there's a sign that would say AM. And Maybe like, they didn't know AM versus PM. <laughs> <laughs> my, like, my, who's getting there at five AM? I my didn't Google understand. calendar did not understand that when flights and it was like you have a flight at five thirty AM and I was like no Google calendar it's definitely five thirty PM. Like those things mean you can't just write AM. <laughs> They're not or PM. arbitrary. No, but it was it was PM. So mm-hmm. yeah, and 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 it lasted two years. And after Femoroptera, my show was over because it was just September, December yeah. over. Mm-hmm. I went back to the dojo until it ended a couple, maybe a month ago. Okay. And there's we're talking about maybe something new might having like an alternate dojo. Yes, yeah. exactly. Because one of the people are running it, and but it when it's not one person, it's harder to organize. Mm-hmm. When yeah. it's more people, you but because he was the sort of the heart. But he doesn't doesn't have founder syndrome. He wants it to continue beyond right. him. He wants people to yeah. break into like little tiny sects of people doing things and yep. connect. And that's really cool that he wasn't like, no, this is over. It has to be over. Oh, yeah, that's, no, he's not that's, like that at all. He was just annoying. like, I have to go and do my own creative stuff. And the mm-hmm. fact that he gave two years of his time every Monday is just one of those like beautiful gifts. Mm-hmm. And that's how community grows. So, yeah. Marvelous. Mm-hmm. 
want to finish with a quote maybe amanda oh well i i have this i guess we kind of talked about i don't know maybe we didn't talk about it on air we i i on the verse fest site with your bio had the quote stand-up comedies like poetry but with a goal you said with oh. a specific goal you said so right a specific so, goal yeah do you want to you talk yeah. about that a little time? i feel like we did we did talk we did. about it before the we podcast did before the podcast no i stopped you okay you stopped me that way you would talk about it on the podcast that is fair <laughs> so uh whereas poetry doesn't request any specific mm. response from the audience no. comedy i was saying that you need to get a laugh every minute you did say that on the podcast yeah you yeah. did that yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. that's so, it right like that it's it's your it's goal is listening. to make that yeah. audience laugh like you have a specific goal generally it's to uplift like to make yeah. people laugh but it's also to educate and to like talk about things yeah it's you don't yeah. think poetry has a goal oh do, yeah but it's it doesn't Whereas poetry is like, I'm out here, like I'm doing yep. a thing. It's not specific. It's not, I'm here to make you laugh. Mm. Right? There's a it lot might of different think, things. Think, feel. Yeah. Like, but I also don't think that poetry has to have a goal. Right. That you just like, I just liked this thing. It sounded good to my brain and I wrote it out. Or I really wanted to have structure. So I like wrote a yeah. saying. Right? Like, or, or maybe you want someone to feel a certain emotion or what. I mean, yeah. who knows? I mean, mm-hmm. it's hard to say. And I often find... With different poets, like sometimes I think I've written something um, serious and then people are laughing and I'm yeah. always, I, I don't mind. I find it interesting to see how people, you know, respond to something. So yeah. uh, like if you were, if you were doing a comedy routine and people were like crying or something, that would be right. like the wrong reaction. Right. Right. I don't know if there's a wrong reaction to Poetry a has a varied goal, has different goals, it's whereas plastic. comedy, the core is really yeah. the totally. laughter. Though. And I think it's, that's yeah. it. A goal as opposed mm. to laughter is a mean, unit of comedy. Yes, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Oh, uh, yeah. So the smallest unit of comedy is laughter. No, <laughs> one single laugh. One single laugh. <laughs> Let's do linguistics now. <laughs> there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and right. you know, one thing I was thinking yeah. we should say is what are your upcoming uh, performances, oh, yeah. activities in the next while? We'll make sure everyone knows about them. Oh, yeah, right. Plug, plug things. Plug things. This plug is things. your chance. It's funny because I did everything this weekend. So I have a show. Nothing's tonight. happening now. Right. Well, well that's not true. And I'm going to be painting and and getting this getting venue set up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't have anything specific, but I do want to say that if anyone is interested, is this possible to plug this? Absolutely. Anyone is interested in doing shows, performances, predominantly um, spoken word mm-hmm. or 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 read. Um, I love musicians, but there are a lot of places for musicians to go, and I'm going to be very selective about the musicians that I have in there because I don't want it to become a music venue. Mm -hmm. I want it to be a space for poets and comedians and storytellers Mm -hmm. and authors to come and read and people who are interested in sharing their strange craft. I say, if your grandmother makes tiny, strange beeswax dolls and wants to teach people how to do that. I don't know if this is a real art form that exists. You know, you're going to get lots her. of calls from the grandmothers doing right, those exactly. dolls now. But yes, <laughs> well, and it's just like if you do a strange art form that you would like to teach people, because I find that um, monetarily that's where you're going to make your money in the arts is teaching other people mm-hmm. to do the thing that you do because you're not only teaching people, you're creating an audience for your art form mm-hmm. by giving it to more people. Mm-hmm. And so you build like a community of people who do the things. So if you're like a podcaster and want to learn how to podcast, yeah, I'm going to have a podcast uh, studio in there and we're going to learn to podcast together. That's great. If you're interested in soap pouring, if you want to teach someone your strange esoteric art form, I have a, an email address. It's curious.end.com. 
kind dot almont at gmail.com curious and kind almont at gmail.com so you can message me and say i have this really strange thing that i want to do i want to do an hour show about lizards sure let's see why not see what the lizards will bring right (laughs) i yeah just i want people to come and i want them to feel like this is a place where anything is possible except Mm -hmm. for hate um that's it yeah so pitch your ideas to danielle Mm mm-hmm we will try to put up the email address if I can parse it out. Right? No, I'll ask. I'll get. I'll, it. I'll give it to you. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having oh, me. This is really lovely. I wish I could have heard more of your stories. There you go. Well, next time. Next time. <laughs> well, we have forty-three right. episodes. You can. I can listen. To <laughs> yeah. Yes, and sure. I talk for a lot of the things because I sometimes it's harder for me to listen than to talk. So I'm getting better at that. I think. All right. All thanks right. again, Danielle. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks everyone for listening. And until next time. Until next time. Small Machine Talks with Amanda Earl and A.M. Kozak. <laughs>